So everybody, everybody, show your love for my friend, our friend, Eric Yeager. Rowdy, loud, and proud. I know y'all can do better. I can't even hear y'all. Do you hear anything? I, 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 don't, I don't hear it. I don't hear nothing. Nothing. There it is. Fantastic. Fantastic. Eric, why don't you have a seat? Did I steal your thunder? I kind of introduced you. I wanted you to do that. And we were going to do our points of passion, but I want us to devote the lion's share of our time to our conversation. Yes. My wife said, because Eric is so good looking to tell all the single ladies, put your lip gloss away because he does have a girlfriend. And this is true. She's not here. She's in Indiana. She is. And your family's in Indiana as well. They are. So you're flying solo. I am. Is Sheena here today? Um, I don't know. Sheena's not here. Okay. I don't believe so. Okay. I thought she was going to be here. But anyway, fantastic. All right. So um, we're about to dive in. And uh, man, uh, actually, I was having a conversation with Sheena, and she mentioned that you guys were about to capture your story and use it as part of sort of your, what you do with marketing, and, and, uh, and you wanted to include the Jaeger story. And man, it just really, really resonated with me and uh, asked you about sharing the story as well. And, and uh, uh, so this is, this is kind of where we're going to kick it off, man. So um, let's talk about uh, the genesis of the Jaeger story. Uh, actually, no, 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 no. Let's reverse engineer this. Let's reverse engineer this. Was it the, the photos or the video that they wanted to start with? Yes, let's do that. We're going to reverse engineer this, and they're just going to show some pictures, and here's why. Stephen Covey says you always want to start with the end in mind. So we kind of want to give you a picture of the end and reverse engineer the story so we can see how all of what you are about to see was possible. Let's go ahead and kill the lights and just run some of these uh, photos, and you can tell us what they are. This actually might be the... The video. Um, all right, I'll, there's going to be sound. So this is the video that we ran for our most recent opening in Plano. Uh, this is our McKinney location. That's, of course, in Texas. This is our Frisco location. Um, these are conference rooms within all of our locations. So we're an office suites company, and within all of our locations, we'll have multiple conference rooms to allow any of our members to conduct meetings or things like that that they can't fit within their office. How many of these properties do you guys have? Currently, we have 10 to date. You have 10 to date. And your most recent one is Plano. Correct, and that's, and that's, that's Plano. our Plano location. And our church office is there. We absolutely love it. Fantastic community there. And uh, you guys are about to break ground on another? We are, yeah. So we broke ground about a month ago in Allen. In Allen. Fantastic, fantastic. These are some more pictures of the properties. Uh, these are in Indiana now. These are in Indiana. Okay, fantastic. And what we saw earlier, those are all pictures of, uh, of Texas. All right, fantastic. Let's go ahead and bring the lights up. Um, and, and so this didn't just appear one day. You didn't just come and you owned all these properties and uh, there was a story. And there is a process to everything we just saw. Okay, so let's talk about uh, your beginnings uh, with your family and how this all, all started. Yeah, so just kind of quick history of uh, the story. The story's uh, family, of course. It's of my father. Um, so he's the third youngest of about four brothers, and their childhood growing up was, was based on, on hard work ethic. So they learned what true hard labor-intensive work ethic was at a very young age. Um, the jobs that they performed were generally construction, welding, intensive jobs, and that played a large part in his career later on in life and, and allowed him to have 
skills and capabilities to transition his life and to turn it into what he's created today. So we're going to go ahead and start kind of just with him college era. So a quick idea of him and, and how he's wired essentially. Um, he had a true passion for exercise and fitness and human anatomy and chemistry. So when he was in college, he attended college, uh, both grad and undergrad in Chicago. And in college with his passion, he opened gyms. Now he was a bodybuilder at the time and the gyms that he owned were not your 24-hour fitness. This is kind of before the 24-hour fitness, LA Fitness type era with gyms and before gyms were the sauna, shower, steam room type concept, kind of back in the old days, the hardcore nitty gritty and you get in there, you work out and you right. get bigger. So <laughs> the, uh, one of the things actually that he has a quote on um, that talks about passion and it, it plays a role with his passion for exercise and, and uh, human anatomy. He said that if you don't generally love what you're doing, then you will never be entirely fulfilled. Good. And eventually, you're going to fall. Um, when you fall, eventually you're not going to get back up just because it's too hard. If you truly don't love what you do, there is going to be a day where it's, it's too hard and, and you can't do it anymore. Stop right there. Let's pump the brakes right there. If we were to talk about the, this journey, and we, you and I sat down a couple of times and kind of talked through it, and because I'm a preacher, man, I believe in three points, sometimes four, five, six, seven points. Today is a seven-point sermon. Point number one, the Jaeger journey, I believe, begins with your dad identifying his passion. Uh, before we even talk about passion, can I just say that the very thing you may resent right now may be the very thing that God uses to propel you into your purpose. Remember, his dad got his start in construction, physical work, working with their hands. Most of us, as young people, resent that. We would rather play video games. We would rather have fun with our friends and play. Yet the very thing that was hard it's the very thing that God now uses to begin this amazing business. But it started by identifying the things that he was most passionate about. So passion, real quick, and these are life lessons. Ask yourself, begin by asking yourself, what do I enjoy doing? That's where the passion question begins. What do I enjoy doing? Uh, but then it goes further because the passion question could also be, what what are the things that I can't stand to see done poorly? Because the fact that you can identify something being done poorly and something that could be done better is a clue to a problem you may be created to solve. So not just what I enjoy, but what are the things that I can't stand to see done poorly? Here's the other thing that people often do. Uh, 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 or, or Passion. Uh, most of us, when we make our plans, don't even factor difficulty into our plans. We don't plan and include setbacks. We don't make plans and include detours so that when the plan is delayed, we get frustrated. And let me tell you how you measure your passion level. You measure what you're truly passionate about by how quickly you quit. And as a pastor, I've seen it over and over. People jump from one thing to the next, from one thing to the next, and they quit. 
could have been a good idea, but it's not truly your passion. Because like Eric said, if it's truly your passion, life will get hard, but you will find a way to make it happen. And Winston Churchill famously said that success is moving from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. And most of us go from one failure to the next and quit. It begins with passion. What do I enjoy? And so your dad enjoyed fitness. He did, yeah. And then it went on to the next thing, didn't it? Yeah, and there's, there's another uh, a quote that he had that he's lived his life by and, and instilled within us um, that goes with passion as well, is that it's a Steve Jobs quote. Um, basically, have, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow know what you truly want to become. That's good. Say that again. That was very good. So <clears throat> the quote is by Steve Jobs. Have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow know what you truly want to become. So your dad, though, was not only passionate about this, right? He followed his intuition, but there was a second thing that made him successful at what he did. He loved fitness, he loved uh, health, but then there was something else that he incorporated with his passion. Correct. So he was in school at the time for uh, chiropractic. He had, he's a doctor, um, and at the time he used his education and his past experience from welding to better make equipment. So he made equipment that basically better targeted certain muscles in specific regions of muscles. And by doing so, um, made his gyms very, very well renowned. Y'all hear that? Did y'all catch that? Not only was his dad passionate about fitness, but he took a skill set, his ability to weld and make things that he learned at an early age. And he starts to create equipment that's unique, that can target specific uh, 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 muscle groups, etc., etc. Malcolm Gladwell, thank you for jogging my memory. Malcolm Gladwell said it this way. And I forgot what Malcolm said. But it was good, though. Uh, and I don't have my notes in front of me. But this is what Malcolm Gladwell said. Um, he said, success is a series of accumulated advantages. I'll say that again. Success is a series of accumulated advantages. Think about it. A horse that wins a race is only a split second faster, and the purse is sometimes three times more. If your horse has a split second advantage over the horse that comes in second, it is worth hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars more because that horse has an accumulated advantage. His dad had an accumulated advantage because of his passion, but also the second thing is proficiency. Can I, can I say this real quick? It's okay to have passion, but make sure that you are proficient at what you're passionate about. It's called the American Idol Syndrome. Whole lot of people passionate about singing, not proficient at it. You see what I'm saying? So be passionate, but be good at what you do. Go ahead, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I, I digress. So just... Uh to kind of put on perspective the, the level of the gyms. Um, at the time, he only had a few. Uh, with the, the equipment that he made, though, it, it made him very well known, um, and the gym's very well known. So they were based in Chicago, uh, just suburbs of Chicago, and he, they would have famous NFL players, famous uh, bodybuilders, famous baseball players, um, all of the Mr. Olympias. I'm not sure if anybody's familiar with bodybuilding. Lee Haney. 
They were, yeah, Lee Haney was one of them. Come on, um, give me some depth. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he would have all these these guys fly from from all over the world or all over the states mainly and come to his gyms. So he would be kind of right right in the the field with them. And he's doing all of this while he's in college. Yeah. While he's going to school and studying to become a chiropractor, he's living out his passion. He's tapping into his proficiency, and that produces productivity. Yeah. Okay, y'all see that? Passion plus proficiency equals productivity. When you take what you're passionate about, what you enjoy, and you combine that with what you're good at, your proficiency, it will produce results, and it's productivity. Can I pump the brakes here for a second? Let me, let me say something about passion. And we talked about this in our conversation preparing for this. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of preparing, by the way. Yeah, yes, there's a lot of preparing. And, and this, is, this, is, this is what I think sometimes we miss. We confuse a burden we have with a problem we're created to solve. Let me, let me say it this way. We don't figure out the tension between whether this thing is a, a champion, a cause that I need to champion, or a problem I need to solve. And so, so, so what that looks like is this. Uh, there's, there's this huge uh, awareness around human trafficking. And rightly so. Uh, we're supposed to make a difference. Some people, and I know people who've done this, who have sold everything and moved to those countries where human trafficking is a major issue. And they lasted only three months and came back because they hated the culture, hated the people, didn't want to learn the language, but they had a burden for human trafficking. They weren't called to do it. They just had a burden. What most of us confuse for the call of God is simply a burden to make a difference. And sometimes that simply means I'm going to volunteer my time. Sometimes that simply means, hey, I'm going to donate a check. It doesn't mean that I have to give up my life to solve that problem. And most of us confuse a burden that we have for something with a call to fix it. And we fall flat on our faces. So make sure whatever you're, you're passionate about, clarify whether this is a cause that I'm just supposed to champion or a problem that I am supposed to solve personally. It's a big difference. There is a big, big difference. So your dad taps into this passion. There's productivity, and there's also a passion, proficiency, and now there's productivity. The gym is successful. People are coming from all over the country. He's got this advantage over all these gyms. He's doing stuff that nobody else is doing. It's a successful business. What happens next? Uh, he continues with his practice, so he, he finishes school now at the time. Um, the gyms are, are selling now, and he opens his chiropractic practice in mm -hmm. Chicago. Very good. Tell us a little bit about that. So the, the practice uh, wasn't for too long. Um, he comes from very, very deep roots with family, and he's always wanted to work with family and create opportunity for family. So uh, about a couple years with his practice, um, one of his brothers was in Indiana and had a very successful home building business and offered an opportunity for his remaining brothers to go join that company. Mm -hmm. And so he left his practice in Indiana and joined the company in Indiana, or in Chicago and, and joined the company in Indiana. That company um, unfortunately lasted about a year or so and went bankrupt. Mm -hmm. So at this time, um, I have a sister, we are only about three and five, so we're really young. You know, we don't remember everything. Um, 
And this is the time where, from a financial standpoint, there is nothing. So with my parents not knowing how they're going to put food on the table or make rent or anything like that, um, we're in Indiana at this time now. So he moved from Chicago yeah. to Indiana. All right. Yeah. And the reason I brought up the age of my sister and I uh, is we were really young. We don't remember everything, um, but we were some of the happiest kids. And I say that. Um, really is a testament to my parents. Yeah. Good. Um, they are incredible mm. and uh, probably one of the best teams mm. you will ever meet. Amen. Amen. Good. So with that being said, brings up my mother. Um, so my, uh, my dad will be the first one to tell you that. Without her, none of this would be possible. Come on. But she is, she's pretty incredible. Awesome. She is a, a tiny little thing, but <laughs> she is not one to mess with. Right, um, right, right. When it comes to our family, she's kind of like our, our, gar our guard dog, really. She's, she's not one to mess with, and mm -hmm. if anything, comes towards us that's negative, she, she goes after it. So at this time, we're of course in Indiana and uh, we have no money, no job. Um, my father started to take any labor needed job in the newspaper. So everything from sweeping garages to basic cleaning to any, any labor job there was. So he's a chiropractor loses everything, he decides to go into business with family, it lasts about a year, they, you lose everything, and now you're starting over, and he's starting from the bottom. Mm -hmm. Wow, wow. Yeah. Wow. So, um, everyone's of course you know, familiar with the golden rule, and not only was that a teaching that you know, he instills with us, it's a, a level of standard that he also has with business. Um, he, applies that and he applies it to a quality of his work and, and how he'll interact and conduct business with customers. Um, it's, it's just a level of standard that he demands and, and upholds. So no matter what he did, he approached it with a, a, a level of excellence. Yeah. He wanted to make sure it was quality work. Yeah, yeah. This is what the scripture says about that. Scripture says, whatsoever your hands find to do, do with all your might. You and I can't be successful doing shabby, shoddy work and ask God to bless poor quality. Listen to what he said. His dad had a rule. No matter what I'm doing, whether it's handyman jobs, small jobs, fix-it jobs, I am going to give my best no matter what I do. And most of us want to be successful, but we want to cut corners. Doesn't work that way. God can't bless mediocrity. To all the dreamers in the room, God can't bless mediocrity. God can't bless mediocrity. That's a lesson we can learn from the Jaeger family, no matter how small it is. 
no matter whether some, no matter whether someone sees it or not. Give it your best. Hmm? Yeah. So so John Maxwell, John Maxwell says it this way. He says perfectionists seek approval. People of excellence seek improvement. And what that means is excellence, all right, or perfectionism is externally motivated. I do it if somebody's looking at me and if they're going to give me an attaboy. That's what perfectionists live for. People of excellence, that's internally regulated. Nobody's got to tell me to do a good job. Nobody's got to tell me to learn how to play the song. Nobody's got to tell me how to learn the lyrics. That is internally regulated. I will do this because it is my personal standard of excellence to give my best no matter how big or how small, whether someone sees it or not. That's a lesson we learned from Mr. Yeager, who used to be a chiropractor, mind you, for those of us who think we're above that. I'm better than that. And I see it all the time. And we miss what God is doing or desires to do because we hold on to what we used to be or used to have. And God's giving us a new beginning. And Mr. Yeager has the presence of mind and the humility to recognize that I'm going to do what I got to do to put food on the table and take care of my wife and two kids. And most of us running around here, though, and not taking a job because it's not the perfect job. That's, it's, that's beneath me. Meanwhile, your family's struggling. Can I tell you what that should be? That are uh, the way as men, let me talk to the men for a second. The way we should be is number one, I do what is possible. And what is possible is I put my hand to whatever is in front of me. That means you have to take a second job and an extra shift to take care of your family. You do it. Where's it going to come from? Where's it? No, go get a second job. Put your hand to something. And the scripture says God will bless the laziness of your hand or the nothingness of your hands. And just sit down and the, the job from heaven will drop in your lap. No, God will bless the work. The work of your hands. Your labor. And so his dad, a chiropractor, is doing whatever is necessary to start over. Sorry. Oh, that no, moment you're fine. Of gives me a second to gather myself. Um, so with the, uh, the way he conducted business, he established an incredible rapport with all of his clients. Um, having the... So let me stop there. I'll, yeah, yeah, sorry. sorry. Let me, this, this, is, this has got me on 100. He established a reputation with his clients because of the quality of his work. Even though... He was just doing odd jobs. Like, if you want your sink done right, call Jaeger. He established a reputation. Can I tell you that your reputation will precede you? You miss that. Your reputation, good or bad, precedes you everywhere you go. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. I may interrupt you momentarily. Is that okay? Okay, thank you, thank you. Okay. Sorry, this is, you're so good, man. The story's incredible. Go ahead. 
with the relationship then that he would start to establish, they, they would start to trust him to do other jobs. So instead of sweeping and doing base level jobs, um, with his experience in the past, he was capable to, to do others. And they would, his repeat customers would eventually allow him to do installation of windows, doors, and, and kind of a little bit step up in, in jobs and labor skill. Um, eventually that, that wow. handyman. Hey, hey, can I, can I say? This is so powerful. Did y'all hear what he said? It said his repeat customers began to trust him with more. They came back and said, if he's good at this, maybe I can trust him with that. Jesus said, whoever is faithful with little. You ain't even faithful with little. Cutting corners. But you got a dream, though, that you're going to change the world. And you're not even faithful to do the little things well. But you got a dream, though. You know what that is? That's called self-sabotage. Sometimes the dream is delayed because God's waiting on us. If you will fix this toilet right, maybe I will open the door for you to remodel a bathroom. But because you can't even fix the toilet, I can't give you the bathroom even though I want to. So when you get it right, and you're faithful with the little things that I give you, the little things that I give you, then you become ruler over much. I'm talking to all the dreamers now, wondering why it ain't happened yet. Uh, sorry, go ahead. So, so. so the, uh, <clears throat> the handyman company, or his, himself really, uh, eventually grew to a handyman company um, and took on a little bit larger jobs into remodeling. Uh, at that time, he brought in then his first brother, his youngest brother, um, and they began to build that company. Uh, that then eventually grew into a commercial construction company. So, so the handyman job is now a construction company. The head commercial construction company. Let me say that again. The handyman job is now a commercial construction company. And the golden rule was I'm just going to do whatever I'm given exceptionally well. First, do what is necessary. Then do what is possible. And before long, you will be doing what was seemingly impossible. Most of us see the construction company, but we're not even willing to do the handyman job. We're not even willing to do what is necessary so we can never get to what is seemingly impossible. There's a bridge. And the beginning of the bridge is I will simply do what is necessary. I will put my hand to something. And if I'm faithful with it, I'll start to do what is possible. Now that I'm good at this job, I got clients, I can do what is possible. I can, I can start my own handyman business. And now that I'm doing consistently what is possible, oh, wow, what was seemingly impossible a year ago when we moved to Indiana and didn't have food on the table is all of a sudden within reach. I can start a commercial construction company but it was only because I fixed a toilet exceptionally well. One of the things you also told me about your dad was he, he would do great work and he would figure out ways to cut cost, right? Yeah, yeah, that was a, a big piece of, of his success as well is um, using 
their past experience in intelligence, they would come into projects and save a lot of clients money. So a, a big problem in remodeling is, is gouging and, and costs. Um, so when hey, you hey, have... It's not about the money. Oh man, I'm a small business owner. Let me pad this thing as much as I can because I don't know when I'm going to get the next job. And he's delivering an excellent product and he's thinking to himself, I could make more money because everybody else is charging them more money. But he figures out a way to serve the customer. Not only with a great product, but he saves them money. I love your dad. I haven't even met him, but I love your dad. Jumping forward a little bit, um, yeah. and we'll touch back to this, but there's a... How much time we got, uh, Cedric? Uh, check on it and get back with me. <laughs> Sorry. I won't, I won't interrupt him anymore. Go ahead and tell the stories. Yeah, no. I just Sorry. remember being I'll, in I'll try not to one of the, uh, the first business meetings that he ever took me into, um, and it was with a, uh, one of his business partners, and the individual was, they were talking about our lease rates, and for... Anybody that um, isn't familiar with our concept, our, our lease rates are are very affordable. They're they're very they're very fair. Um, and the gentleman asked him, you know, why why not? You're traditionally a third to half your competitor. Why not raise your rate? And he laughed and um, said, you know, just because you can do something doesn't make it right. So we'll just uh, kind of jump back in into where we were with the construction. So the, the construction company was growing, um, and it was a, a very successful company. Uh, at the time, they needed to um, renovate a, a building for their office to conduct their operations. And at the time, it was my dad, my mom, my uncle, and my grandpa. Um, so when they... They purchased the first building, which uh, if everyone remembers from the photos, it, it was Noblesville. So in Noblesville, Indiana was our first location. It was an old industrial building that they renovated um, with the intention of it only being their yes, office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they renovated that and that was only their, their construction office. Their clients that came for construction needs um, enjoyed the office and there was a lot of extra space so they basically <coughs> wanted to try and rent out space with them. Um, now at the time there was of course other office concepts and we were by no means the first but that kind of organically pushed out our concept at that time. So the extra space that they had um, he went he studied the market and created a plan to revolutionize the space and open up Noble's office suites. So if I understand what you said correctly, they opened an office space for themselves. Y'all hooked it up. I mean, it was top notch. The clients would come to your office to do business and they loved the, the concept. And so you guys, out of that, the fact that you guys had this great office. And there's a lot of extra space with it. And extra space and they would come and do work there and all of that. And out of that came the concept for what has become now, how many properties? 10. 
10 properties. Mm -hmm. Simply because you guys put detail and attention into the space that you were in. Wow. I hope y'all hearing what, I hope y'all picking up what Eric's putting down. All right, go ahead. So <clears throat> from Noblesville, um, they opened that location from a funding perspective with, with construction money. Um, and with success of that location, they uh, then opened their second location and that is when his remaining brothers joined. So we're gonna kind of fast forward a little bit. Um, throughout the time, they've maintained the construction development arm. So to this day, there's a construction development and a management arm to Jaeger. Um, now, one of his, and I'm not sure if the, the visual is there, we may get to it in a minute, but there's, I'm not sure if everyone's familiar, there's a visual of a, uh, a burr of, of a crane and a frog in its mouth, and the frog is, is choking the crane so it can't be swallowed. And it's a, it's a never give up quote. Come on. And that's, yeah. So. And this was something your dad gave you when you were young. Oh man. gosh, yeah, when yeah. I was like yeah. four years older, five years old, yeah. And that's one of his core philosophies is never give up. Even when the crane's swallowing you, grab its neck. So, 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 so there was a moment where this paradigm, this way of thinking came in really handy for your dad. Tell us a little bit, tell us a little bit about that because we talked about that earlier, about anticipating detours and delays and problems along the way. So something happens and uh, tell us about that. Yeah, so um, we're gonna fast forward a little bit and this is before the 08 crash. Now, up until that time, um, our funding was produced by banks. And not that funding was extremely easy before the crash, um, but it was definitely easier, of course. And for us, though, we were a very non-traditional concept. We weren't backed by anybody. We were a small developer, so we were kind of the, the risk. Right. So in order to um, maintain funding, you would have to give a personal guarantee on everything. So a uh, quick idea, basically a personal guarantee is, is you're held solely responsible for everything on your loan and then some. So basically the, the banks can own you for up to whatever that amount is and extra. Um, generally when companies grow or, or people will grow, they'll use uh, money, but they'll give up equity and that's how they fund growth. Um, the reason why my father never took that route isn't out of greed, but it's, it's more control and direction. When you have uh, partners or a board or whatever the influence may be, then there's others that can control and direct and can steer your purpose away from what it is and more towards a higher return to more money. Um, and that affects the company. It's huge. That's huge. We don't have time to talk about that, but that is huge if you are a dreamer to maintain control. Uh, Oprah Winfrey still signs all of her checks to all of her employees. She signs all of the checks. And if you don't maintain a level of control of your dream, someone else will hijack it. And so that's no notable and noble what your dad did. Yeah. So fast forward before the crash um, in Indiana, we currently have seven locations. And uh, from a banking perspective, before the crash, we were really kind of like a diamond in the rough, uh, a great success story for them. 
then the crash comes. The bank that we're with is consumed by a much larger bank, and my father receives a call. So he's given three months, and the first 30 days he has to present a plan. The plan basically has to show that he can maintain the new contract that the larger bank has given, which is uh, truly impossible. There's, there's absolutely no, no way that you could maintain those contracts. So it was asking for things that were just ludicrous, really. So the, the larger bank comes in and gives your dad new terms that he can't, he can't honor. And it's a personal guarantee. If he doesn't honor those terms, he loses everything. Yeah, and at the time, it's, it's seven buildings. Um, each one is in his name. Wow. So the, uh, the only option really is try and find another bank. So we had to, we, he had to find um, another bank to take on all of his loans. And keep in mind that this is in the crash. So this is an era where nobody's lending money. It's, it's a risky market. Wow. And our concept is one that is failing. It's, it's office suites. Everybody's losing their jobs. They're losing their companies. Office suites is, is going down. And off he went. Um, bank after bank. Uh, they kept turning him down. And there wasn't really much of a choice but for him to keep going with it. Three months in, the, literally the day before, he got another call. And uh, he, got, he got the call. And he had just visited bank number 50. So the first 30 days, he's supposed to come up with a plan. The next 60 days, he's knocking on doors, 50 banks. That's almost a bank a day. Oh, he started it from okay. the 30, but yeah, yeah. But still, 50 banks over a 90-day period, and the day before he's supposed to default, yeah. someone comes through. Yeah. Bank number 50, and number 50. Uh, they took a chance on him. Wow. Fantastic. Okay. So, 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 so they take a chance on him. Uh, you guys are back in business. You go from seven properties to how many now? Um, well, we're still in the in the the crash in the market, so okay. we have to get through that. Um, and surprisingly enough, making it through that, he he did so, but um, he also did so with with nearly full occupancy. So the concept that we have, um, and that's why it's so special to us, is it, it provides an opportunity for entrepreneurs, small businesses to have a place to go that, that aren't trapped, that uh, can maintain cost and can create an opportunity for them. And so it, it provided a solution in a crashing market that was still affordable and practical. Fantastic. So you guys get through this, through the crash, and uh, Jaeger is thriving. It's thriving today. You guys just broke ground on a, a new facility that's coming to Allen. We're going to wrap up here. Uh, but, uh, but we ask you about this because you're a fan of the show, The Prophet, 
right, on MSN, I mean CNBC. Cedric is also a fan of, of The Prophet, and on The Prophet, right, he talks about three things, and this is P-R-O-F-I-T, The Prophet, talks about three things, because he goes into failing businesses, turns them around, a lot of times he invests in those businesses, but, uh, but uh, he talks about three things that are important, and I asked you to talk to your dad through all of this, right, through the passion, the proficiency, the productivity, and the problems, right, those things happen, and the persistence, what are the three life lessons he learned about people, processes, and product, right? Because those are the three things that, uh, what's his name, Marcus, Simonis? Yeah, Lamonis. Lamonis, that he talks about people, processes, and product. If the dream fails, it's going to be for one of those three reasons or any combination of those three things, people, processes, product. So let's talk about, let's reverse that, talk about the Jaeger product or the Jaeger brand. And let's go quickly and then talk about people. You mind, you mind if I go people process and with product? Whatever you want to do, Eric. Everybody show your love for Eric. Have you done a great job, man? Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. People process product. So the first thing that I will say about people is, is uh, about how crucial your team is um, and that you don't hire people based on skills. You hire people based on personality and character. Say that again! You, you hire based on personality and character, figuring out a fit within that company and that culture. Um, you can always train skills, but you can't train morals and ethics. Y'all hear that? All y'all dreamers, you hear that? Hey, check this out. All my HR people in the house, I think I got four or five HR professionals, right? We hire people because of what they know. We fire them because of who they are. A whole lot of people come into organizations that look good on paper, and we just hire people because of what they know and how good, and then we fire them because of who they are. Jaeger has made that decision that when it comes to people, it's not about what they know. It's about synergy. It's about chemistry. And in fact, here at City Church, it's about character, competence, uh, character, chemistry, and then competence is at the very bottom. Mm, you'll catch that on the on the on the iPad. I mean, on the on the podcast. Tell us about tell us about processes. Yeah. So one of his, his quotes, again, is kind of, if you base your company on money and glory, um, you're too short-sighted. Say that again. If you base your company on money and glory, then you're too short-sighted. If you base your company on sustainable values and principles like honesty, hard work, doing the right thing, even when the wrong pays more, then you're starting to think long-term with purpose. Even when the wrong pays more. So good. So good. All right. I could say something about that, but let's go to product. Um, and then the, the last part of the story that is the most recent that ties into our product now that is our, our transition and what we're going through is, so this past September, um, <clears throat> my father accomplished uh, really the, the longest dream that he's been after and finally dissolved the banks. So well maintained. Come on, somebody. Yeah! It pays to do things right. It started with your dad fixing toilets and saying, I will do this with all my might. And today, how many years later? Over 20. All the banks are dissolved. He owes everything. That's what radical faith looks like. And here's what I love the most about this story is that Mr. Yeager is a man of profound faith. Godly man. Loves God. 
And he's brought that. It's not something that he's kept exclusively to what happens on Sunday morning. He's brought that, in, brought that into the public square, into the marketplace. You don't check your faith at the door when you show up. And you just ask, thank you for the polite golf clap. <laughs> I appreciate it, though. We don't check our faith at the door and stop being Christ-like when we leave church. His faith has permeated, his radical faith has permeated every aspect of his life. His family, his work, his relationships. And this is where we close. Yeah, yeah. So with the, uh, the recent happening in, in September, um, we are soon beginning our Jaeger community. And the, the premise of this community is to be able to make a difference in our local cities and to create an opportunity. Um, we sincerely believe that people are capable of, a, of much more than even they themselves believe. Um, but sometimes they just need support and an opportunity to do so. So he's taking his success and using it to empower others. Yeah. Success is what happens to you. And most of us are comfortable with being successful. But there's a step beyond just our success, and it's called significance. Success is what happens to you. Significance is what happens through you. And Mr. Yeager is using his successes, what's happened to him and for him, to do something truly significant, what God is about to do through their business and their organization. And this is my last statement at 1150. I promise you one and only closing. My cousin is a minister in South Africa, and she travels all over the country. One of the most sought-after speakers, she spoke at Megafest last summer and uh, with Bishop Jakes and everything. And, and this is what she said. She, she posted this on Instagram, and she, this is what she said. It just resonated with me. She said, 20 years from now, when you look back over your life, make sure the life you lived was one you chose, not one you settled for. I'll say that again because we got 20 years now to get it right based on her quote. 20 years from now, when you look back over your life, make sure the life you lived was, not one, was one you chose, not one you settled for. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time we've had around your word and around this amazing story.